welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. So we'll just jump into it and you can kind of tell us who, like a little bit about yourself and what you do and your family and all those things. Sure. So my name's Allie. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I am an electronic design engineer at John Deere. I'm married to Carter. He's my high school sweetheart. Um, He's a farmer and we have two daughters and a golden retriever. (laughs) (laughs) so let's kind of jump into like after you guys decided to like have kids how that all went down for you yeah so I was like anti-kids I did not want a baby for years and then one day I woke up and I was like okay I'm ready. (laughs) Um, So we started trying and we got pregnant with um, my daughter Mila in like September. Um, So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How did that go for you like as far as like trying and fertility and all that stuff? Um, We only really tried a couple months and then we were pregnant with her. So it didn't take us very long, which I was super thankful and and blessed that we were able to get pregnant right away yeah how was your pregnancy with Mila um so I was pretty nauseous right away um and I was like googling anything that would help and deep in google I found that if you take (laughs) your prenatal at night it helps a lot so that was one thing that I feel like wasn't readable, like readily information out there. Um, so once I switched to that at night, it was manageable of just like having snacks and small meals. Mm-hmm. And then I really didn't get sick, but um, I was really tired, which is really common for many people. It wasn't until my second trimester, actually, I started throwing up from heartburn. I was going to say, I feel like you get a lot of heartburn. It was so bad. Um, (laughs) I mean, most people throw up in their first trimester and then it's done. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was in the clear, but my second trimester, I started throwing up after every meal. Um, I used to think it was just spicy food, but we had nepho soup one night and I threw up (laughs) from that. So it's like the blandest food out there. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) I got on a heartburn medication just Pepsid to start and it was pretty manageable but it did get worse like as I got bigger and more pressure on all of the organs (laughs) and stuff um I was gonna say yeah you said you're really tired I remember you like going to bed at like 5 p.m I would go to bed whenever (laughs) I possibly could and it didn't help like um Carter was like a farmer, so his fall is really busy. So I'd be trying to go to like my brother and sister-in-law's 
um, activities and stuff. And all I wanted to do was sleep in the car ride. And he was never here. So I would just watch movies and go to bed. Right. Like every day it was like, I think I'm going to go to bed. And it was literally like 530. Yeah. No shame. And it was funny because like, I didn't think anything of it. Because you're like the first friend out of our friend group. Like my close friend group, I should say, to be pregnant. So I was like, yeah, Allie just sleeps a lot, I Just guess. slept all the time. I had absolute no shame. No motivation. So after you got pregnant, how did you kind of research who you wanted for your care team and, like, stuff like that? So I actually asked – my cousin works at Sanford. She's a rad tech. And I asked her, you know, if any of her coworkers had an OB that they liked – um just so that I could set up care that was kind of like at the beginning when we started trying I wanted to find an OB and to me I just really wanted an OB I know a lot of people um don't want an OB which is totally fine um to me that was one of my more important things is I wanted an OB and a lot of her coworkers suggested um Dr. Tompkins at Sanford in Fargo and it just so happens that she comes down to Wapaton once a month so that made it really easy for me to um, pick because I could see her in Wapaton the once a month and then once she got uh, or once you start going more than once a month then I had to go to Fargo right Um, but I met with her once like at our first appointment and I just fell in love with her right yeah it's something to note that we live very rurally yeah (laughs) we don't have a birthing center here or hospital that births at all so every appointment has to be either in Fargo or a travel doctor (laughs) that actually so the hospital in like Waprak they used to birth babies but right around when we got pregnant and were choosing care it was announced that they would no longer be doing babies around the time that ours would be born so Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't want to stay in town here for that care right yeah I think they quit like two months before Mila was born yeah right yeah because I was Tori the last one Tori was or Chloe was the last Chloe one was the last one yeah interesting um so like talking to your doctor like did you guys come up with like a desired birth plan or did you do any sort of like research or preparation on how you thought you wanted this to go so with my First, I feel like I didn't do a lot of research, but I also didn't care. Um, (laughs) I asked Dr. Tompkins, like, what are my options for pain management and stuff? Because I was really scared of needles. And that was constantly in my head about an epidural that I was deathly afraid of needles. Um, And so she walked me through every single option that they offer, um, which it did kind of change because COVID happened Mm. three months before my daughter was born so they no longer offered the nitrous 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 oxide oxide, um which she she prepped me for that of like sometimes like when COVID numbers were down they would offer it and like she's like Mm. I can't guarantee it um I told her I would like to give birth naturally with no pain medication um uh if possible but I also was not like I was totally prepped to get that right. epidural if I wanted it. Right. So because of that, I guess, like, there are birthing classes that you could take at Sanford, and she suggested I could take them if I was really serious about wanting to birth unmedicated, but 
I never did because it really wasn't super important on my birth plan. Right. And things changed. And things changed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. um, do you want to touch a little bit about how, because I feel like you were very heavily pregnant in like the thick of the worst of COVID and like how that was. <laughs> that sucked, honestly. <laughs> so my daughter was born in May of 2020. Um, so obviously leading up to that, like March is kind of when things shut down Mm -hmm. and like, there was no information out there of like, what can this do to pregnant women or newborn babies or anything like that. And it really sucked because like in my, essentially my whole third trimester, we really limited seeing people and our parents and all of that kind of stuff, like leading up to her birth. And I felt, well, I was also working from home. Right. And my husband was a farmer, so he was gone during planting for 12, 14 hours a day. So it was very lonely. Yeah. Very lonely. And very, like, you didn't know what was going to happen. Like, we obviously were told no visitors could come to the hospital, which ended up being okay. But still, when you're told that, like... Instead of given the choice. (laughs) Instead of given the choice. Like, that was really sad because... One of our good friends had given birth right before COVID happened. So she was able to have her best friends come to the hospital and her mm-hmm. parents and their parents and whatnot. So I saw that and got pretty sad that I wasn't going to be able to have that. Right. And it uh, just so many opportunities taken away, like baby showers. Yes. and Oh, yeah. I didn't get a baby shower. Seeing <laughs> your friends and family. And yeah, it sucked. Glad that the thick of it is Glad done. that's past us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you kind of want to go into your like last few weeks and how everything started yeah so (laughs) i ended up with preeclampsia um my blood pressure started to rise a little bit at like 36 weeks and it wasn't high enough to be preeclampsia yet so it was like uh, the number that they say is like 140 over 90 is the red flag Mine was 130 over 80s, so it wasn't high enough, but it was steadily, like, rising. Um, 37, it got, 37 weeks, it got a little higher. 38 weeks, it was 134 over 88 or something like that. Um, and my doctor was like, you know what, let's just order the labs just to see like if you have the other signs. Cause I didn't have like the other signs that they tell you to look out for, for preeclampsia is like the sharp pain in your right side and spots in your eye, like vision and headache or whatever. And I didn't have any of that. Um, but she ordered the labs and I did have protein in my urine and that Mm. was one of the other ones. But you need two signs in order to get induced. Um, And so far, I only had the protein in my urine because my blood pressure was still low enough. So she ordered um, blood pressure checks every day or every other day until like my next appointment or whatever. And I was able to get those in Wapton, so I didn't have to drive to Fargo for that. But um, so it was my it was I was about 38 and a half weeks. I think. And I went in for my blood pressure and Carter knew that's what I was going in for and what it meant. If it was high enough, (laughs) we were going to Fargo. And sure enough, it was like 142 over 90 something. So it was high, like above that mark. So I called him and I was like, 
my blood pressure is high. We have to go to Fargo. And this is planting season. <laughs> and he literally, his first response was, can I finish this row? <laughs> I was like, we laugh about it now, but I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I just told you we have to go have a baby now. And you're asking if you can finish the row. <laughs> so how did you feel about like kind of scheduling your birth, I guess, sort of? It was such a weird thought because I always thought like it was going to happen organically or like you didn't know when it was going to happen. And here I was in this doctor's office with too high of blood pressure and the nurse was like, you know what that means? And I'm like, no, I don't. What does that mean? <laughs> She's like, you need to go to Fargo and you're getting induced. Um, I'll call ahead, but you should call too just mm -hmm. to see if they want you to do anything or what time or whatever. So I had called the birth center after I hung up with Carter and I was like, you know, what's this mean? Do we need to like rush up there? Do I have time? And I think it was at like 10 a.m. at the time. And she was like, you know, pack your bags, maybe get some lunch, but don't take all day to get up here. So I slowly packed my bags and got the car seat ready because Carter was still not home. <laughs> But I just felt, I don't know, it was such a weird couple hours. Like, I knew we were going to be going to Fargo and we would be leaving with a baby in the mm. next couple of days. Yeah. And that was just such a weird thought. Yeah. Leading up to that. Yeah. So how did it go? Um. So we got up there. I wanted to drive because I knew afterwards I wasn't going to want to drive. <laughs> and we got so weird. Dairy Queen drive through on the way. So I was like, <laughs> no way I'm heading into this empty stomach. I didn't know how long it was going to take. Right, right. And they say like inductions with first time moms can take days. So you never know. But mm -hmm. we got up there at like noon and got us checked in and they got me hooked up to Pitocin and an IV. Um, I think it was about two o'clock when they started it and I really wasn't feeling any contractions for quite a few hours. Did you do any like Cervidil or Cytotec? I actually was dilated to a four when we oh, walked in nice. so didn't have I, to. I didn't have to do any of that <laughs> stuff which I was really thankful for um, being far along already. Mm, I know mm -hmm. some women labor for quite some time. Or started at zero. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I got to avoid that, but I really couldn't feel my contractions. So they ended up breaking my water at like 5 PM. Mm -hmm. I think it was, that was such a strange feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after that, my contractions started to get stronger. So I got in the tub and I knew at that point when I started to feel the contractions that I was going to get an epidural. <laughs> it was just a matter of when. Well, especially if you had your waters broke, then you don't have that like extra cushion between baby and you. Yeah. It's just straight baby onto you. <laughs> they definitely got more intense, but the tub was so nice. It felt really good. Um, and I started asking for the epidural when I was in the tub so that hopefully things would be ready, but right. they definitely weren't. <laughs> um, when I got out, I, let's see, the, they were so busy that day. They had multiple emergency C-sections and I think every room was full. Every labor room was full. Um, so it took the 
anesthesiologist like an hour and a half to get there mm. <laughs> and then he missed twice mm. <laughs> which I know some people have had miss like they've missed many many more times but I just remember the nurse saying like your back is gonna hurt tomorrow like what's that even mean mm. you're like please don't tell me that yeah oh so that was bad I Stayed still the best I could, um, but it was definitely like that's the worst position to mm-hmm. labor in. Mm-hmm. Is the position they need you to be for that epidural. Mm-hmm. So like that was horrible, especially when you have your waters broke and my waters broke. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So how to go after that? <laughs> um, my blood pressure actually tanked, which apparently is common with that epidural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Um, I think it was like, it was after 9 p.m. by the time, oh, the epidural didn't work right away. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Only half got numb. Um, so they had to like flip me on my yep. side to yeah. try to get it to go to the other side. So that took some time. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, my blood pressure tanked. I was mm-hmm. got super dizzy and lightheaded. So they backed off my Pitocin a little bit and they knocked down the epidural some too. And then um, just told me to get some rest. And at this point, Carter, so Carter actually pulled an all-nighter the night before Mm. um, for planting because he knew this was coming. Mm. So he was super tired. He was already up for probably 36 hours. And so I told him to like go to bed. Right. She'll wake us up when needed. Unfortunately, I didn't get much rest because she was checking my blood pressure every three minutes, I think it was. I didn't really get to sleep at all but um I think it was about midnight she was like I'm just gonna check you see where we're at and she checked me and she's like oh you better wake him up and I was like what I was at a nine and a half so I was trying to be gentle to wake Carter up I was like hey you know it's time how are you waking up throwing pillows at him yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) trying to get him awake and like I said he'd been up for 36 hours so he was like down and he just groaned and rolled over like are you kidding me (laughs) so I gave him a little more time and then I was like no really Carter like you need to get up she said it's time to start pushing because I was at 10 then and he jumps to his feet and runs to the bathroom (laughs) I was like oh my god (laughs) Uh, he's like I didn't want to like have to leave mid anything else so I had to start pushing I pushed like I don't know probably for five minutes not even and she was like oh we gotta wait for the doctor <laughs> okay so waited for the doctor to come in and I think I only pushed like two or three more times and there she was and you didn't know that she was a girl no so did Carter get to like announced kind of he did yeah they put her on me and they're like dad what is it mm-hmm. so we were pretty excited was he like i don't know <laughs> yeah he was so sh- well he did so when i started pushing the nurse looked over at him and was like are you okay <laughs> and i'm like what and i look and his face was white just like ghostly she's like do you need to sit down for a sec we already had a dad go down and is in the <laughs> er right now and he's like i don't want that to happen. so that made me very nervous. It was all like very fast. 
Yeah, and I like the he's probably really tired too. He was so tired, and like I've seen tired Carter. Like I feel like every time I come here to do newborn pictures, he's just like a zombie. So tired. <laughs> it didn't help that he pulled an all nighter before, and yeah, he was so tired. So to like jump awake and then here's your baby within ten minutes. Right. <laughs> I feel like you have a very good like pregnancy and like birthing body. Apparently. Because like you just hold pregnancies so well and you birth very well. <laughs> she definitely came out quick. I think she was born at 108. So it was pretty quick. I only pushed for like 15 minutes total mm-hmm. with her, I think. Mm-hmm. And then as far as like immediate postpartum stuff, how did that go like right away? Like did you guys do like to skin or anything we, like that we did do skin to skin um so my nurse didn't really like help me with breastfeeding mm-hmm. right right away and I had no idea what to do I knew I wanted the golden hour and I knew I wanted to try breastfeeding like immediately I didn't know what I was doing yeah <laughs> so I kept asking her like do I try to feed her now or like what do I do how do I do it Mm -hmm. and she wasn't super helpful so I was kind of bummed about that but once we got over to the postpartum side so at Sanford you have a labor room and then once you get you know they they have you stay there for like two hours Mm -hmm. or if you wanted longer they let you too but once I got cleaned up and moved over it was probably four in the morning Mm -hmm. and that nurse was amazing and Mm -hmm. she helped me so much I told her I was like partial tears in my eyes you know like emotions and everything like I don't know what I'm doing I don't Mm -hmm. know how to feed her like what if she's hungry yeah (laughs) and that nurse really helped me figure out how to feed her and Mm -hmm. get her latched and that was yeah it was pretty good our nurses were amazing um on the postpartum side, I feel like we were there forever. <laughs> they had to keep me one extra day, so they cleared Mila to leave, but we weren't able to leave right. because of my blood pressure. It had stabled out very well, but um, I think, yeah, it was like two full days. Maybe Did you three. have to go on any like blood pressure meds? I didn't. That's good, yeah, because I've heard yeah. they're like really yeah. uncomfortable, like sick groggy feeling yeah thankfully my blood pressure just went right back to normal that's good um so I didn't have to worry about any of that but they had to put like the seizure pads on my bed and everything Mm. like that so that was super sad (laughs) and I had to keep the IV in Mm. which is so uncomfortable and then finally one of my nurses like I just wanted to take a bath without having to worry about it right and finally the nurse was like hey we're gonna take it out but if you need it again we're gonna have to put it back in like fine I just don't want it right yeah but our, I don't know, our postpartum side at Sanford was really nice. Um, it's fairly new, and they had, like, the spa rooms that mm-hmm. had, like, the big jet tub and all of that that I was able to go to and mm-hmm. reset. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever dip in with the massage? The <laughs> massage gal did come around, um, so that was really nice. Felt so good. Yeah. Postpartum. <laughs> I wish I got that with number two, but... <laughs> um. I want to touch a little bit about your breastfeeding journey with Mila, and then we can kind of compare with Letty later on. (laughs) So knowledge is power. Um, I feel like I was very not prepared for breastfeeding, and I didn't know anything. So in the hospital, all pretty much 
all they said, like I did have lactation come to me. Um, they'd say like, her latch is good. Looks awesome. You're doing what you should be. Um, don't pump unless you need relief. Only pump for relief. Only mm-hmm. pump for relief. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, right. Apparently when your milk comes in, it can come in really hard, really fast. <laughs> and it's super, super painful. And that is something I feel like was not common knowledge and I did not prepare for. Um, so Mila actually cluster fed from like 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. both nights in the hospital. She was essentially feeding that entire time. Which now you know is normal. Which now I know is normal. <laughs> At the time I didn't. And I feel like that made my milk come in so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we got home, I think it was a day after we got home, my milk came in like a freight train. It was so painful. I was so engorged that she wouldn't latch mm-hmm. and I had no idea what to do. And they, I just remember them saying like, you can pump for relief. So I would pump, but I would not get relief. So I'd keep pumping and I mm. still wouldn't get relief. <laughs> Didn't know that I was co- like completely creating an oversupply and she wouldn't latch. So we'd have to bottle feed her. Um, and then we just kind of got stuck in this cycle of like, I would, oh, I guess I would try to latch her and she would fall asleep right away. Mm. And I knew nothing. I literally knew nothing. Right. Yeah. And looking back, I think she had a lip, lip or tongue tie that maybe could have been addressed mm-hmm. um, because she would literally fall asleep immediately, but mm-hmm. she wouldn't with a bottle. And I just didn't know. So she would fall asleep. I'd be so engorged that I would have to pump. And then she would wake up hungry. So I'd have to bottle feed her. And Mm. we just kind of got stuck in that like triple feeding cycle that I just kind of quit trying to nurse her and move directly to pumping. Mm -hmm. And I did meet with the worst lactation consultant (laughs) on this planet Um, (laughs) when she was like five or six days old, I think. And that lactation consultant told me I was taking the easy way out by pumping. Mm. She did not help me with the latch or tell me why she was falling asleep or even she didn't even evaluate Mila. She just totally judged me for switching to pumping, which I would have kept nursing if it like if you had went, support. If I had support, if I if it went better. Right. So I was so discouraged from that visit. And she also told me that. I have to pump to empty to avoid clogs. Fun fact, <laughs> you do not need to pump to empty to avoid clogs. It actually created a much worse scenario for me, and I ended up with a massive oversupply, and I kept getting clogs and mastitis because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. When Mila was two and a half weeks old, I was producing 70 to 80 ounces a day. Yeah, so anybody listening... Just letting you know that's not normal. That's not normal. Allie's basically... I'm a cow. <laughs> she's a she's a dairy cow. So, um, yeah, don't compare yourself to her. <laughs> don't do that. Honestly, like, I had people comment on, like, you should be thankful. You have plenty of milk. But it actually caused a lot more problems, too. So I got mastitis when she was two and a half weeks old, which, for those of you who don't know that what that is, it sucks. It's an infection, and... It was absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I kept getting clogs. And on Mila's side of that, when you have an oversupply, you produce a lot more lactose in the fore milk. And she essentially was getting so much more fore milk than hind milk. And she would have like the explosive green poops. Mm. And she was so fussy and pretty much colicky like in the afternoons she only wanted to be held by me and I had no idea Mm -hmm. that like I was most likely causing that Mm. and it wasn't until like four I think she was four months old or three months old I think it was right before I went back to work I went back to lactation and I got a different gal and she was so helpful Mm. and like she was going to try to help me get her back to nursing, which she never did. Mila did latch a couple more times after that, but just really had that bottle preference at that point. Right. Um, so I didn't force it. But this lactation consultant really helped me get my supply under control. I did get mastitis one more time. So I think I had it three times with Mila. Within four months. Within four months. <laughs> um, and I think I got it down to like, 35 ounces was my like sweet spot that I was Mm -hmm. comfortable being at and we actually stayed at that until I got pregnant with Letty (laughs) (laughs) so yeah how long did you pump for because like you said you had a like literally Allie fed multiple children she donated so much milk myself including (laughs) and like so when did you quit because you had like so much I had so much in the freezer but so my goal setting out for my like breastfeeding journey is I wanted to feed Mila fresh milk for a year so that was my goal and whenever my freezer would get full I would just donate more milk there's a Facebook group that's like human milk for human babies, I think. Mm-hmm. And I donated through that a couple of times. I gave some to a couple of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up pumping until, so I got my period at nine and a half months. Mm-hmm. And once I got that, I was like, why am I doing this anymore? Like, <laughs> there's no point anymore. My freezer's right. full. Like, and I slowly started to wean. I literally did it as slow as you possibly could because I was so scared of getting clogs and mm-hmm. mastitis again and I just backed off one ounce every day one ounce one ounce every day <laughs> and then after I would like eliminate one pump I would just pause for mm-hmm. a week and let it like regulate to that so I was only pumping four times a day at that point I think mm-hmm. um and then I got pregnant with Letty, and I was like, I'm not feeding three kids at once. <laughs> or three people. I'm right. Not supporting three people at once. Right. Two's my limit. So I slowly faded out pumping. Did it help when you got pregnant? Did it diminish at all? It didn't. Um, <laughs> Your body's like, no, I think I'll just feed the world. My body was just <laughs> ready for it. Because, um, yeah, I think I was still producing like 25 or 30 ounces at the time that's wild because it's like some people's like high yeah it's just crazy yeah I'm very thankful I was able to provide for my kids but that right. oversupply is right nothing to be jealous of right okay well let's <laughs> jump into Letty because we'll have more to talk about with her yes um and this will be a long podcast but it's fine Who cares? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, let's talk about your pregnancy with Letty, how that happened, and how you felt for that one. So actually, um, my first pregnancy symptom is like 
being able to smell really good. <laughs> and with Mila, I just remember like turning on the water and my wa- like the water here like stunk. Mm. Like that's all I remember. And so with Letty, I went to brush my teeth one morning and I could smell the water and I was like, "Uh, are you are you serious right now? <laughs> like are you kidding me cuz we were not trying. Mila was 10 and a half months old. And I went and took a test, and sure enough, it was positive. (laughs) So I left a note for Carter with the test, and I just said, like, looks like we're doing this again, and I went to work. (laughs) Because he was probably sleeping. He was sleeping when I got up, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that was a surprise. We were shocked. Um, Very thankful, but we were definitely surprised. That pregnancy was pretty uneventful, too. Like, I was nauseous for some of it. I was very tired again, but I was very thankful that my 10 and a half month old was not walking. So she was stuck (laughs) in the living room where I could nap and I would just let her like play. Uh, Miss Rachel wasn't a thing back then. So I think we were watching other movies. Lorax. Lorax. (laughs) Moana. I tried to stay pretty active. I did not work out at all with this pregnancy, but with a baby turning into a toddler we definitely stayed active pretty active (laughs) um but yeah it was pretty uneventful I really didn't like I did get the heartburn thing again it wasn't as bad but I still I like proactively took the pepsid so when I'd feel some grumblings (laughs) I would just take it rather than right not knowing what it was coming from and throwing up anyway so so. did you have like a preeclampsia plan for this one um I got put on a baby aspirin at 12 weeks Mm -hmm. take a baby aspirin every day and the plan was to take that until 36 weeks Mm -hmm. so my blood pressure stayed in check it never got high Mm -hmm. around 36 weeks I stopped taking it um because I think it's isn't it a blood thinner or something uh worried about that when you like going to birth yeah and also something that's really funny to note, and I only know this because we're friends, but when you got pregnant, you had it in your mind that you were going to get preeclampsia again and you were going to have this yes. baby early and it was not going to be a Christmas baby. Oh, I swore <laughs> I would never have a December baby. All my friends have heard me say this too many times. <laughs> and sure enough. Yeah. What day did she get born on? Christmas day. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so my due date was December 20th, I think, or the 21st. It was not on Christmas, and I had it in my head that I was mm-hmm. going to go early because of preeclampsia, and I was dilated early last time, so I mm-hmm. figured that it was going to be early, but... Yeah, I had it in my head that you were going to have your baby on, like, December 18th, and Tori was going to have her baby on, like, December 30th, and it was quite the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, quite the opposite. Yeah, one of our other really good friends, um, her due date was one day after mine, Mm -hmm. so that was kind of fun. Crazy. Very crazy. That does not happen. (laughs) When we told each other, we're like, I'm pregnant, she's like, so am I. (laughs) So... Like, reflecting on your birth with Mila, was there anything you kind of wanted to change if you could control it with this one and, like, planning-wise? Yeah, so I really wanted to do this one unmedicated um, or at least manage my pain better um, without medication, longer. So I asked my OB, like, 
well, I told, I told her that I really wanted unmedicated if I go naturally, but I'll probably get the epidural if I get induced. And she was like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have that in your head that if you get induced, you need to have pain medication? And I told her like, you know, I feel like it was more intense or everybody tells you that an induction is more intense. And she's like, not necessarily at all. And she helped me, you know, come up with a plan of you can still apply all of the unmedicated um, methods Mm -hmm. to having an induction just Mm -hmm. because you get induced does not mean you have to make those change that part of your birth plan. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me have more confidence in myself Mm -hmm. that no matter what happens, um, I can do my best to have the birth plan or the idea that I want. Mm -hmm. Um, So I... I didn't take any birth classes necessarily. I found it a, I found a couple Instagram accounts that I followed, and I think you followed one of them, like built to birth. Or yeah, I did like her. That. I did her. You her did course. her class. Yeah. So I did like she had like a free thirty minute video that yeah, she's got a lot I of watched. YouTube stuff too. Yeah, she had mm-hmm. a lot of content online, and uh, all I really did was practice my breathing mm-hmm. and just like when I'd be sitting on the floor, I would just practice my breathing and just stuff like that. I would focus on the belly breaths and things mm-hmm. like that. I did seek out some um, physical therapy because I still had diastasis recti mm. from my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still had that gap in my abs. Um, so I met with a physical therapist in Fargo and she gave me exercises to help keep it together Mm -hmm. um it obviously wasn't going to get any better as I got bigger but we were our goal was just for it to not get horribly worse yeah um and she helped me with some other exercises to focus on where to breathe Mm -hmm. and what muscles to use when you breathe so that's pretty much all I did prepping for this birth did you do any like breastfeeding research before this one I actually (laughs) um I found Carrie Locker's Instagram like four months postpartum with my first Mm -hmm. and at that point I did take her breastfeeding course and all that information that she has in that course was so helpful that Mm -hmm. I feel like if I had that before I gave birth with Mila it would have totally been a different journey but you learn you you, you, you learn, learn you learn you learn on the way like you just there's nothing else like the first I feel like you just don't know what the hell you're doing you're walking no. down a black tunnel <laughs> totally <laughs> so I took her course and I found her page and she even has a lot of content on her page that's accessible without taking her course to that mm-hmm. so I had an idea of what I wanted Letty's journey to be like, but or unknown baby, unknown baby, didn't know what it was. She's another surprise baby that was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, not finding out, yeah. So let's kind of go into (laughs) this birth. Didn't last very long, (laughs) did not last very long. I actually i had contractions for weeks, Mm -hmm. and they were more than just Braxton Hicks because I had Braxton Hicks from pretty much like 20 weeks on. And I was having real contractions. They would just go away. There were a couple of times I was woken up in the middle of the night having real contractions, but they'd go away. It was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. I was already like a three and a half. And I feel like next, if I have another baby, I probably won't even get checked because it right. gave me false hope right. that I was going to go early. Yeah. And um, I think it was... I don't know. It was before Christmas on my due date, I think. So the 20th, 
I scheduled an, indu- an induction for the 29th because for insurance <laughs> reasons, I could not meet my deductible back to back. I could not be in that hospital splitting the new year. So I was like, we need to get this baby out before the calendar year. Yeah. Which <laughs> just sucks. So sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Christmas came. It was Christmas. So our plan for Christmas Day was just to stay at home in the morning. Mila could nap her normal nap and then after that we would go over to his parents for their Christmas because we did my parents the day before and that morning Carter was like we're having a baby today and I was like no we're not I will hold this baby in we are not having a baby today (laughs) and Mila laid down for her nap at noon and I had a couple more contractions they were more intense but they went away so I was like whatever I'm gonna take a nap and then we're gonna go to Christmas you're like I've been doing this for weeks (laughs) I've been doing this for weeks I didn't think anything of it he claimed I just walked differently. Mm. I didn't think I did, but he apparently could see it. And we went over to his parents at 3.34. I think it was 4 o'clock when we got there. We were just hanging out, whatever. Not 15 minutes in, I started having contractions. And they were stronger. I could talk through them, but not without anybody noticing. So like, <laughs> I would just pause because I didn't want anybody to know yeah and then his uncle was like you're having a contraction I'm like yes I am (laughs) and so I told Carter like just take me home let's leave Mila here she can have fun with the um, Carter's siblings and presents and whatever and you can go back to Christmas I'll just hang out at home and rest for a little bit and we got home And I don't know if anybody remembers Christmas of 2021, Mm. but it was snowing. It wasn't super windy yet, but it was snowing pretty Mm -hmm. good. And so I came inside, started bouncing on the ball, and I called the birth center. Meanwhile, Carter's like, I need to blow snow. (laughs) Like, what if we get stuck? Like, oh my God. (laughs) So I called the birth center and the nurse was like, I can hear you talking through your contractions, like take your time, pack your bags, maybe have some supper and then head up. And it was like, okay, whatever. Cause I wasn't needing the five one one. It hadn't been an hour. I think mm-hmm. they were only 30 seconds long mm-hmm. and every like seven or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. So not even close. Um, and Carter came inside and I told him what the nurse said. And he was like, I'm not delivering this baby. Get in the car. Right. <laughs> thank god his biggest fear was having a car baby um so we got in the car and we started out and we were going slow i could tell we were not driving very fast and i was like carter how fast are we going it's like 40 like Mm. oh my god we're having a car baby Mm. like i know it it was snowing and all that was on the radio was Christmas music. <laughs> That's the only time I've ever yelled at him during labor was to change the channel because I did not want to listen to Christmas music. <laughs> Valid. I'm not a Christmas music person either. No. And I had, I was so sad because I had like a labor playlist mm-hmm. all like ready. But when we got to Sanford, um, Carter ran a few red lights to get there and he <laughs> left the pickup at the front door running <laughs> so that we could rush in and we get up there and they just stick me in triage mm. and I was like 
like this is happening like I knew that was I knew I was going through transition like I mm-hmm. I could tell that change mm-hmm. and they just left me in triage for probably 30 minutes mm. Carter was ready to go out there and start finding people mm. and finally the lady comes in and she's like do you want an epidural and I was like yes that's mm-hmm. the only thing that got me through the car ride yes I do and she checked me and she laughed and was like huh if there's time, mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? I was already at an eight and a half. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Then all of a sudden they started rushing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Apparently I handled myself too well when I was going in there. <laughs> um, so they try to get the epidural. She got it on the first try. That anesthesiologist was amazing. She mm-hmm. was so good. Um, it did not have time to kick in. <laughs> And I asked, my nurse was like, you're at a 10, ready to start pushing. And I didn't have that urge that I did before. And I was like, can we just wait? Because like, I can still feel everything. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give it time to kick in. And she's like, we can wait, but do you just want to get it over with? Like, not yet, not yet. So we waited, I don't know, probably like five minutes. And then I had the urge. So I was like, now's the time. Like, I know people say when you get the epidural, you're not going to have those urges and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I definitely did this. well both times Mm -hmm. um so I pushed maybe twice (laughs) and I still had my water hadn't broke yet Mm. so that was interesting yeah um I pushed twice and she was like oh we need to wait for the doctor and she the doctor walked in with a Christmas sweater on and I'm (laughs) like I am not waiting for that Christmas sweater to come off (laughs) I'm gonna keep pushing because I have the urge to Christmas music, Christmas sweater, snowstorm. Terrible. It was, All the things you said you weren't going to have. I swore I wouldn't have that. <laughs> and she was born, I think I pushed maybe two more times. Like, I only pushed for less than 10 minutes. <laughs> and she was born at 8.15. And she had the shortest cord. So I mm. couldn't even, like, put her to my chest mm-hmm. because it was so short. So we actually had to wait until, like we cut the cord or whatever mm-hmm. to even put her to my chest. But, um, yeah. So like how long from like, I guess, would you say actual labor so to baby? Actual labor started about four fifteen, four thirty, and mm-hmm. she was born at eight fifteen. So four, four hours or less. <laughs> <laughs> how was your like, um, body or like postpartum recovery, with I guess comparing them both because we didn't really talk about it that much with Mila. So like the nurse said with Mila, my back hurt so bad with mm-hmm. them missing the epidural. And that actually was more pain than the down the <laughs> underside. <laughs> the gusset area. Um, <laughs> I did tear worse with Mila, which I was assuming because I was induced and I don't right. know. My body wasn't ready for it. I don't know. I thought I was gonna be worse with Letty because she came out so fast. Mm-hmm. But it, I tore less, but um, I actually had longer pain, like, mm. lasting for weeks mm. rather than, like, with Mila, I feel like after week one or two, the pain was gone and whatever. So that was different. Mm. That's weird. Know. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is just side note. I'm, like, on TikTok this morning, and there's this, like, trend going around about how mothers can do it all. And there was this girl that posted this video of herself like barrel racing at like 
two weeks postpartum and she's like who says you can't do this you can do this i'm like it's not a race to it's see who can recover the fastest it like so let yourself rest jesus and i don't know if it was you know with number one i could relax i could lay on the couch right. with a newborn baby i wasn't doing anything else but with number two i had a toddler <laughs> to take care of yeah i suppose along with that yeah it makes a difference it, may, it makes a difference and she's not a um a low moving toddler no, she's got energy <laughs> <laughs> so how did breastfeeding go for letty so that girl could eat um, <laughs> right away like she was probably on my chest for maybe two minutes and she already was searching mm -hmm. and like wanting to eat. So I let her and she nursed constantly in the hospital. <laughs> we hardly have any pictures of her in the hospital because she was constantly nursing, <laughs> literally constantly nursing. Um, I remember my mom was like, send us a picture of Carter holding her and you holding her. Like I'm literally feeding her constantly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, oh great, this is gonna happen and, again. Like, this is gonna happen again. And I met with lactation and they helped me set up a plan to not get in the oversupply scenario I did before. Um, but that didn't change how hard and fast my milk yeah. came in. I think it came in faster, mm -hmm. which is common for probably next babies. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I did my best to not um, pump. I did get mastitis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a week and a half this time. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Um, but. I was so engorged and had clogs and I didn't want to pump because I only wanted to nurse her and she mm -hmm. ate really well. Mm -hmm. It just, I had more than what she wanted. Mm -hmm. But after that first time of mastitis, I didn't get it again. I don't think. That's good. Yeah. So is it the, it's like the same boob every time too, isn't it? I've had them in both. Oh, in both. Yeah. I've never had them in both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Thankfully I hear that's way, way worse. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I have had them in both. Mm. So did you, you didn't end up getting like the massive oversupply with Letty because you didn't. just controlled it a lot. Yeah. So right away I had the initial oversupply of when my milk came in, but probably after two to three weeks, it got down to just what she was eating. And I actually ended up just pumping like one or two ounces in the morning just mm -hmm. to get the most off so that she would eat good right and then I would be more comfortable throughout the day and then I was able to slowly cut that out because I didn't want to pump at all right yeah because it sucks it sucks like the lactation consultant that told you that it's the easy way out it's so not the easy it's way not out. I mean they're both hard but pumping is just like it's so hard because you have to pump yourself but also take care of a baby at the same time yeah it's like that's what's so hard about it is like because you're so immobile I feel like yeah and versus then, like nursing you just stick them on just, once you figure it out I mean I will not just say you just stick them on because it is very very difficult but once you kind of figure it out and you get all the issues sorted out yeah yeah she ate really well too it was totally different than Mila mm -hmm. like Mila fell asleep right away Letty didn't. She would take a full feeding. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any concerns about like lip ties or anything. Like she actually kind of looks like she has a lip tie, but it wasn't affecting her mm -hmm. transferring and she was gaining weight like she should. Mm -hmm. So 
it ended up going a lot better. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> a lot better. She had her own problems that she wanted to make our life interesting with, though, because we were back in the hospital with mm. her at two weeks with the stomach flu Yeah, that Big's sister brought home from daycare. So mm. Yeah, Letty had a really rough first couple months of life. Letty had a really rough start. Yeah, that so, was pretty scary. Kind of like, I guess, mentally, we could touch on both pregnancies. Mm. How did that go for you postpartum? So with Mila, I had really, really bad postpartum anxiety. Um, it didn't help that she was somewhat colicky and only wanted me. Mm-hmm. She There was a point in her time. Um, she was like five months old. Um, it was October. So my husband's a beet farmer too. Mm-hmm. And beet harvest is 24-7. So he was gone all the time. And this baby would not go to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like she wouldn't even go to my mom during this time mm-hmm. and, or his mom. And so it was just me. And that was really hard too, because, um, so it was COVID. Mm-hmm. I was working from home and we didn't have daycare. Mm-hmm. So I was caring for her and working from home and pumping and bottle feeding. So mm-hmm. all of that wrapped together, I just had such bad anxiety. It was a really, really tough time. And Um, she didn't sleep. And she didn't sleep. She hated sleep. We did get up until four months. And that four-month sleep regression just rocked our world and we never got back. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really tough time. I know, like, I had a friend planning a wedding and we had other weddings to go to and some other friends going through their own stuff and that looking like I felt so bad that I couldn't be there for them like I should have been. But then, like, looking back, like you can't take care of other people if you can't no. take care of yourself. Yeah. And I definitely could not take care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's At quite all. a difference between Mila and Letty. Yeah. Just as like temperament wise. Temperament as a baby. Just everything. And harvest has always been a harder time for me. Like when it was just myself, it was just mm-hmm. fine. But having kids, it was a whole nother ball game. Mm-hmm. And then Um, So Mila started daycare when she was six months old and I was so worried because she would not go to anyone but me. Yep. (laughs) Anyone. And I was so concerned that I was going to get a text from our daycare provider like, this is horrible. You need to come and get her, whatever. I feel that. And (laughs) when we dropped her off, Mila went right to her. We were so shocked and we literally ran out of the house because we didn't want to ruin it. And I remember getting texts like, I know this is so hard on you, like thinking of you, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember thinking like, I'm so relieved. I am so happy right now. Like I felt bad. Like I felt like I should be sad, but I was also like really happy that she would go to somebody. So like, then I got super anxious and like that I'm feeling the wrong feelings, Mm. but they're totally valid, valid. Like all of that is valid. Oh yeah. With Letty, she definitely has a lot different temperament. She's 100% her dad, if you know, if any of you know him. Yeah. Um, She'll, yeah, she just loves, she loves life. Um, I still had, like, harvest time was still really hard for me. And that five, six month time frame postpartum was actually kind of my peak of postpartum anxiety Mm. for both journeys now. So, um just kind of know I guess I know like yeah. we have another one but it doesn't necessarily like 
once you're past four months and you're like, oh, I feel great, <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean you're in the clear. Because it kind of hit me at five months and it was tough again. I'm trying to count. So January, March, April, May. Well, yeah. we're planting. Oh, planting. <laughs> yeah, kind of what it didn't hit. And June is really busy for him too. So yeah. that didn't help. Um, I guess I just know that that's my my time where I need more help out of that. Yeah. Um, do you have any resources or any knowledge that you would like to share? <clears throat> um, I would say, you know, like looking back, um, when you have a friend, have a baby, just kind of reach out. And it's not necessarily like go and hold the baby. That mm -hmm. isn't necessarily helpful. Like meals or even just sitting there and talking mm -hmm. and seeing if they need anything done around the house or anything like that is way more helpful than just wanting to go and see their child. Right. <laughs> and hold again. And you sit there and you're like, I want my baby back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it back to me. I don't know. I feel like um, you, you can be prepared, like much more prepared than I was for my first, but also there's so much information on the internet that's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So like pick your source and that's it. Like, yeah. You can research to your death. Like <laughs> <laughs> nothing will prepare you as much as uh, just having it. Just having it. Just going for it. Walking down the dark tunnel. And yeah, remember that you're gonna have some tough times, but there the fog will lift. Eventually. Eventually. Now that I'm <laughs> thirteen and a half months postpartum I finally feel like I can breathe again and you're just kind of weaning right now just weaning yeah we're down to um just feeding once before bed mm -hmm. um which I really enjoy that time it's like our time we kind of like snuggle and mm -hmm. relax but I feel like I don't know like this pressure is just like lifting off my chest mm -hmm. after 13 months so well more like three years three years <laughs> yeah <laughs> my constant pregnancy and breastfeeding my body has not been my body for a while it'll be nice to have a break a break sure. <laughs> uh well i think that's it that's all we got if we keep talking it's gonna be a two-hour long podcast so we could talk that long probably <laughs> so thanks for coming on al <laughs> thanks for having me